Gentlemen, this is the Rebel Starbuck with you this week, coming at you with shooting the shiz at live on Viking Line ferry over from uh, Estonia back to Finland. I'm here with my co-host Dylan Broda because we just finished Slam in Tallinn. Dylan, how you doing this morning, man? I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one heck of a long day. Uh, there was a long. I guess we we started setting everything up. At eight o'clock, and then um, we tore it all down starting at nine o'clock p.m. So it was a good, fresh day. And then I guess we got on this. We had to be here. We were up up at five a.m. and on the ferry at uh, I guess six or so. And then off we go, and we'll be back in Helsinki at nine thirty. So it's a. Uh, I guess you haven't stopped actually. You you've been the one bouncing all around the globe almost here in the last day or so yeah it's been a busy day i mean i i had a, a business meeting uh i had to go straight from the uh the wrestling show after it finished at rock almari shopping center in Tallinn. had to head out to rockberry which is another city so it's about an hour and a half then my navigator threw me off because it wouldn't send me the right place so it took me forever to find this place. And then finally when I did, uh, I had like 45 minutes for my business meeting. And I had to turn back around, drive back to Tallinn to make it in time to Rock Almarty to take down the ring uh, with with you guys. So it was like, whew, man, I was like, I, I barely ate yesterday, running on fumes. But I'm happy that this uh, Slam and Tallinn event was a success. Would you agree? I think it was a great success. I mean... Um as far as I as far as I'm aware, this was the second time there was ever a, a dedicated pro wrestling show. I guess you might have taken um, that FCF Fight Club Finland back. Uh, when would it have been? Like 2007, actually. That, but it wasn't a wrestling show back then. It was a uh, it was something called Elomoto, which was a car and motorcycle, like let's say automotive fair at the Sakusurhal at that time, which is like the biggest uh, like venue hall in all of Estonia, holds about 10,000 people when it's at full capacity. Um, but we only had two wrestling matches uh, per day there. So it was basically just a, a car event or like an automotive event with wrestling peppered in uh, for about a half an hour period during the, um, during the course of the day as, as part of the entertainment for the people in, in the hall. So this then, yeah, so this really was the first time ever there was a dedicated pro wrestling show in Estonia. Yeah, like top to bottom, this was the first pro wrestling event, like pro wrestling event in all of Estonia. We did have um, like single matches. For example, I fought Vladimir Kulikov, who, who I wrestled uh, last or yesterday in a tag team match but from, from Russia, the Russian Wolverine. Anyway, he, uh, I, I fought him at something called Warrior Fight. And a Warrior Fight is a boxing and K1 event that is held in Tallinn or has been held for about at six different you know, times in, in the past couple of two or three years. And uh, I've, I've been the ring announcer for some of those, and then I fought at one of them in a, uh, in a pro wrestling catch-style match about a year and a half ago. Yeah, and I guess I, I was a referee in, in Narva, uh, Estonia with on a boxing event that had a main event that was 
uh, Stark Adder from Finland and Eric Isaacson from Norway. And um, that was a great, a great match too. And I think it surprised a lot of people uh, what pro wrestling can really be uh, in Estonia. And not only that, I mean, the history of pro wrestling, funny, funnily enough, is weirdly, I guess, rooted in Estonia. Can you tell us more about uh, uh, Hackenschmidt, if uh, some people don't know uh, about, I guess, the first proper pro wrestling champion? You, you know a lot about that. Yeah, George Hackenschmidt from 1905. Actually, one of the things, I mean, he was a wrestler before that, but in 1905, um, the first recognized professional wrestling world champion in history. So we're talking about a rich heritage. Now, this guy was known as the Russian Lion, but he was from Estonia. Uh, so it was the province of Reval, I think it's Reval is what they call it. But anyway, I think it's Tartu. Tartu was the town that he was from, but still, then he then he moved to uh, Tallinn. So you, you can say, I mean, so he, he is from Estonian, and he is Estonian. Um, and this is like major that like now... We're talking over 100 years later. We are bringing professional wrestling back to Estonia, to the country of the very first world champion in pro wrestling. So, like, for this, like, let's say, like, for, for like, taking only this into account, only this detail about George Hackenschmidt, I would say that uh, this has rather large and rather notable implications that if, if everything pans out, um, we're going to do very big things in Estonia in the, in the coming months and uh, over the next, I would say, year. Yeah, and I think the, the Estonian people, um, a lot of them were surprised, maybe didn't know what, the, what to expect, but um, the crowd, it was, it was that really great feeling. I, I refed every single match there, and uh, everything was different. Every match gave people something new to, to see which was the way it should be in a lot of ways and this was the crowd just grew and grew and grew got louder and louder and louder uh, until uh, the main event which was that tag match you and Mick Vinyl up versus the, those Russian destroyers uh, I don't know what if that's their tag team but uh, um, there was that Vladimir Kulikov and then uh, was it Anton um, Daryabin yeah those guys are scary, let me tell you. Very hard-hitting, and uh, that match lit lit the house up. And, uh, you know, and actually you you kind of suffered a bit of an elbow injury, it seems. Uh, and I don't, know if, I don't know if you want to get into that, but it was, uh, you know, this is something that pro wrestling is, uh, is a real sport, and people don't, um, you know, even if you win in... It's uh, it's something that you you get beaten up pretty badly for for winning. You know you can't you can't just usually anyway don't win so easily. You you need to risk your life life and limb. So how do you feel? Well, the thing is, I mean, usually we have this saying in in pro wrestling. I think Bret Hart put it best. But it's it basically the intonation of it is that uh, you want to walk out of the ring as you walked in. So like that's that's really. Uh, the professional side of what we do. Um, but that said, I mean, it, this is a contact sport. It's, it's a game of contact. And uh, I guess I overextended my elbow in my left arm. And the thing is that, like, for about 10 years now, I've been having this nagging pain. It feels like bone chips, but I've uh, I've had this, this 
like I would call it an injury. It's like a prolonged injury and uh, this inflammation that just won't go away. And uh, for those of you who have ever been to wrestling school, you know, you, when you start taking bumps in the beginning, especially the, uh, the flat back bumps, uh, you're throwing your arms out. You're trying to break the fall with your hands and with your arms. And uh, a lot of times, if you're not wearing elbow pads, you're going to build up these, these like, basically uh, water deposits in your elbows. It's like bursa sacs. And they're going to be super painful. They're going to, you're going to have to get them drained. Um, that's really what it is. And I think this is something very similar, if not the exact same thing, that uh, it's just hyperextended, or I wouldn't say hyperextended, but I think my, my elbow just snapped at some point into a uh, very straight position, I would say. I don't know what the move was. Anyway, but uh, it flared up something fierce. I mean, it just hurts like hell right now. I have to get it drained. It's it's all puffy. It's all, uh, I mean, there's definitely some, some blood, some blood, uh, I could just say, I wouldn't say clotting, but yeah, yeah, there's 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 a there's a, a hematoma in my elbow, so uh, I'm gonna have to get that taken care of now anyway. So it's the the pain is pretty bad, but I mean it's uh, I <laughs> when I woke up this morning I slept for under four hours. Uh, I woke up from the pain, so that was the thing. I was laying on my side, and my arm was completely numb. And it was like hurting like hell. And that's what I woke up to. Now, on days like today, are you still happy that you are, uh, I guess, uh, one of the top European pro wrestlers? I guess I know you're Canadian, but, you know, let's say you made your name in Europe and uh, in Japan and that. So would you? are you still uh, enjoying this ride that you're taking here as a pro wrestler? I think at the the tail end of my career now, I'm I'm 46, you know, and uh, I I think that yeah, it's every every I I would say like decade brings something new to your life, um, and for me it's like the challenge is that how to stay healthy, how to stay in the game, how to stay relevant, um, because the thing is that the one thing that these younger guys don't have that us veterans do is this this thing called experience. And when you have experience, you don't need to do a million things. You you just do a few things and you do them damn well. You know you know where exactly where to place them, where to put your moves to make them mean something. And you know how to time them right. Uh, you know where to be at the right time and blah, blah, blah. And how to pace yourself in the match. And that's something that only comes with experience. That if you don't have it yet, uh, maybe down the, down the line, if your ears are open, your mind is open, and uh, you have an understanding heart, you will get it, but um, so that's where you know I'm at right now. Is that at 46, I'm looking to go till 50 at least, uh, because I, I've I've told everybody this story. But when I was uh, 38 years old, I was the Smash Champion, the very first Smash Champion in Japan, and I lost the title to Dave Fit Finlay, and Fit was 51 at the time. I was 38. He was 13 years older than me, and he was in way superior condition to me at that point and for like 16 minutes he ate me alive inside that ring and that gave me such a kick in the uh, a kick in the arse that uh you know i i really if i can be in that kind of condition that kind of shape uh, the same the same shape as dave finley was in at 50 i mean then i would say that uh i've got something to to strive forward to yeah well i mean that's the thing that still being in that ring i mean 
you are the veteran, and uh, there's guys there hitting as hard as they possibly can, trying to make a name for themselves um, in Vladimir and, and Anton, and uh, or Antonio, or what, what was Anton, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> it's, it's early. But, uh, you know, these guys want to make a name for themselves. What better way to make a name than to just, you know, beat, beat the tar out of, out of a, you know, a living legend in that way. And uh, you held your own, and you, I guess, you took a very, very young talent in uh, the Estonian Mick Vinola, and you guys actually got the victory. Uh, you got, you gave him a, uh, was it uh, Vladimir? You hit him with a pretty nasty super kick, and uh, Vinola hit him with his jackhammer, and uh, one, two, three. There you go, and uh, you know when you have a team that's that's built of a veteran and uh, and somebody who's in a lot of ways you would call them green, you know that uh, they have very very low experience going against those hard hitting guys, and um, you know it's uh, experience is a is a huge factor there, and um, you know you're st you're no spring chicken, but you're still. You're still you still got loads of fight left in you. I can definitely tell. But uh, that the that being said, uh, Slam and Talon I think was a huge success, and definitely uh, I guess Slam is coming back <clears throat> to Estonia. And um, as you said, it seems like there's bigger and badder things that are gonna happen in the near future. So that's really exciting. Yeah, actually, we're looking at doing a uh, comeback here in December, so we'll uh, keep everybody abreast of the time, the date, and whatnot. Follow us on social media. That's Slam Res. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at slash S-L-A-M-W-R-E-S for updates. But uh, also on the card, by the way, so uh, that was the main event, the, the tag, Vladimir Kulikov and Anton Daryvin from Moscow, Russia, against myself and Mick Vinola from Estonia. Um, in addition to that, uh, it was Shana from Portugal making her return to slam wrestling as she took on Russia's Casey, and that was uh, the ladies' match on the card, and uh, that's Shana took that one home. Um, Polar Pekko from Finland up against the, the veteran Stark Adder uh, in, a, in a battle of, uh, I would say, generations and a battle of styles, and uh, the Duke goes to Stark Adder in that match and then in the opener it was a three-way triple threat match from different nations we had estonia's own carrot kook up against blake steamer of hungary i actually said that blake was from poland in my, my previous plugs and i screwed that one up i was brain farting no he's from hungary ladies and gentlemen from budapest um and uh the third man in the ring in the in the uh, the wrestling role, not the referee. Of course, Dylan was a referee, as he said, for all these matches. But the third wrestler in that triple threat was Yami Alto from Finland. And uh, in the end, Carrot Kook hit a top rope uh, move. I forget what it was on um, on uh, Yami Alto. Just as he was going for the pin, Blake Steamer comes, throws Yummy out of the ring, and covers uh, or th throws Carrot out of the ring, covers Yummy. For the one, two, three, steals the win, and uh, I guess that uh, left a little bit of a an issue sticking in the craw of Carrot Kook. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> those guys. It was an interesting, uh, I guess, dynamic there, where um, uh, Carrot and and Yami seemed to kind of have the the team up 
idea with uh, in in a lot of ways it sounded like you know Finland and Estonia teaming up teaming up against Hungary and interesting enough if you if you're a language person um the you know the Finnish language comes from this uh uh Uralic, uh language tree that has nothing to do with Latin where I think almost 95% of the languages in the world all have stem from Latin basically um and Hungary Hungarian uh, Estonian Finnish and I think Same and a few other these small ones they're the only ones that actually are related to each other in the language tree so it's actually pretty cool <laughs> if you go into it in a nerd way if you look at it with the geek glasses on you can see this uh you know that these are all having this uh Uralic uh language tree foundation thing but anyway other than that um you had the the steampunk uh, Blake Steamer uh, he was a little bit of a, a dickhead if i might say as a from a ref point of view um but um still you know with the Estonian and Finnish connection there they did uh, team a little bit but they also had a, quite a big problem with each other as well and i mean they're all competitors everybody wants to win and um you know they they definitely showed they showed us what they could do so i i really hope Blake Steamer comes back um cuz what a what a ring entrance he's got what great gear he's he's wearing that uh, octopus face mask you've talked about very uh, Davy Jones or that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing going on there and that was a lot of fun and and the women's match with um with uh we had Shauna and um Casey from uh, yeah the Queen of Scream and the Queen of Southside I guess and uh, not anymore but uh, you know at some point <laughs> anyway queen queens in their own right and uh they were just going at it and they they had something to prove and that was a very fierce very fierce match and um uh I thought I might have to disqualify Casey at one point because she was she was really bending the rules but uh Shauna takes the victory there yeah like you said very flashy finish for for that match and um definitely worked out really well but um I mean it was from top to bottom very exciting show and uh the event kind of it it stole it, it had people captivated for the entire time there and definitely thanks to that uh, the shopping mall um and you can tell about uh, all the um the people who helped out to put this this show together not only yourself i mean you did the definitely the brunt of the work here but uh, um i guess without a venue and without without those kind of things uh, it's hard to have these places but it was uh, it was definitely we were treated really well i have to say that yeah and i got to thank of course my uh, my co I would say promoters on this event. So we had uh, Tönis Grinkin from Fair Play Promotions in Estonia in on the deal with us. We also had uh, Tuka Kori from Grab House in Finland and then uh, Jari uh, Hakkarainen from Stream Media in Finland. So uh, it was the four of us putting on this show in the name of Slam Wrestling, bringing professional wrestling to Estonia and thanks to Rock Almari and also to Oho TV, O-H-O TV, live esti esti meaning estonia uh for putting the signal out so th this was a, a televised product this was streamed live as it happened 
But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the all-out AEW pay-per-view that happened this past weekend with a new and the very first world champion crowned in all elite wrestling history after a word from our sponsors. Hey there, my name is Michael Mudgelai, better known in the pro wrestling world as the Rebel Starbuck. I've decided to launch a brand new live action entertainment venture called Slam Wrestling Finland, which is an on-demand service offering the best top-of-the-line professional wrestlers out of Europe today. We can custom tailor the entire show from start to finish. Girls matches, triple threat matches, tag team matches, or then the good old one-on-one damn good wrestling match. If you've got something in mind, we'll find the right guy or girl for the job. Slam Wrestling Finland is an on-demand live service that offers you as the customer the opportunity to choose as many matches as you would like. Contact us today at slamrest.fi or slamsports.eu. Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce. On Facebook and Instagram. Alrighty, so we are back here on Shooting the Shizat this week from a Viking line on the ferry over from Estonia back to Finland. We've got about maybe a half an hour here and then we've got to wrap things up because we're going to be docking in about a half hour. So landing in Helsinki at Helsinki Harbor. Let's get to All Out. All Out being the, the crowning moment of the new... AEW World Champion. And uh, we'll get to that just after running down this card. Otherwise, Dylan, you saw the entire show. I mean, I was running with like a chicken with my head cut off yesterday all around Estonia. But uh, you went back to the hotel after the uh, wrestling event, the Slam and Tell-In show, and you were able to see the whole show, right? Yeah, that's right. I I got it straight from the... I couldn't watch it live because it came on at uh, 2 a.m. our time and we needed to be setting up the ring basically at 8 a.m., which... I think the show might have ended around that time, but uh, but I did avoid any spoilers, and I got to watch it later on in the day. Um, and I guess I'll have to say, from top to bottom, this was um, a pretty good show. Uh, I'm I haven't read any reviews about it yet. Um, possibly people are giving it five stars or ten stars or or whatever. It, it however many thumbs up and and whatnot, but. To me, there there seemed to be something weird missing throughout the show until maybe the last three matches, last two matches for sure. But uh, were last last two matches anyway um, were were definitely showstoppers. And then the the main event, I think, was the the icing on the cake. That's for sure. Um, even the 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 latter match, we'll get into it. Uh, there was also something bit weird missing for me there, but um, we'll I'll give the rundown here. We had the Casino Battle Royale for the uh, spot in the AEW Women's Championship match that will be on the premiere episode of TNT on October second, Wednesday. That's their first ever TV live TV, I guess, uh, show. And in this, uh, we had uh, women's wrestlers. Uh, 
two of which are Slam Wrestling uh, alumni. So we had Eva Elise and Sadie Gibbs. Uh, of course, the winner of this battle royale went to Nyla Rose. Uh, there was Britt Baker, who was, I guess, second last there. She was having, I guess, a good showing in that way that uh, she was made to look very strong. You had uh, old school uh, women's wrestling, I guess, for these days anyway, very veteran res wrestler in jazz. There was ODB. There was Awesome Kong. Teal Piper, one of the very new uh, women's wrestlers. She's, I think she's even in her first year of wrestling. Uh, that's uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's daughter. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki. There was uh, Ali, Brandy Rhodes, and uh, a, the librarian there, a slew of others. Um, this was better than the men's casino battle royale, in my opinion, but battle royals are kind of stinkers anyway. And uh, I was, you know, we, we really love Sadie Gibbs and we, you know, we love uh, Eva Lee's for, and, you know, that's the reason why they would come to the slam is that they're, they're top tier uh, women's wrestlers. And uh, for some reason, their their work in this match uh, it seemed like they they weren't they didn't get their time to shine and uh, it was a little bit disappointed uh, and i'm hoping that they don't uh, that they still give uh, Sadie Gibbs that that uh, push that uh, she definitely rightly deserves but uh, what did you think about this match well, i'll tell you what i thought that no but honestly nobody nobody at all really stood out in this match except for maybe uh was it mercedes martinez the the, the girl that was in um this uh, was it yeah she got the joker card but she was in that may young classic i think and she was also i think she's, she's been on nxt television anyway but she's a veteran she's been around um and i think that towards the end because she was the joker she got more shine. She got more time to do her thing and to, to stand out than anybody. Because when Sadie came in, like, initially, she showed nothing. Like Either the camera didn't catch her or then it's like she just didn't do anything. And towards right at the end, she got some stuff in. And she got a few moves in, like bang, bang, bang kind of thing, which is good. Um but I expected so much more, like, from, from the girls in this match, uh, even though it's a battle royal. I think that WWE is the only company that does battle royals right. I think, like, the Royal Rumble style thing, when you got a new person coming in every minute, every minute and a half, whatever it is, and they get their shine. As soon as they come in, they're allowed to shine for that one, let's say, first 10 to 30 seconds of their entrance which is what you need. And in this match, I tell you what, even Brandy Rhodes, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, one of the higher-ups in the company um, on the organizational end. And when she was eliminated, the camera, they didn't even catch her. I didn't, I didn't even notice that she got uh, put out of the match. And I thought to myself, that man, what a snafu. Yeah, there was, uh, I mean... I don't know what it's like to be in a battle royal or a royal rumble or a, or a, you know whatever kind of battle of many many people but um I'm sure it's a difficult difficult thing to plan difficult thing to figure out and and get 
get your spot and time to shine and, and all that and all that jazz. Um, but it was, like I said, better than that uh, initial casino battle royal for the men, but not by much. And um, yeah, well, I just yeah, exactly the same thing. I hoped, I wanted to see more from certain people, and maybe that's maybe that's just me. But I did think that they hyped up. Now, you know, we're going to talk about Sadie Gibbs because, uh, you know, we're we're such big fans of her. So um, I thought they hyped her, her up and are still, you know, plastering her face, made a really big deal out of her, and then we just didn't see anything out of her in that match. And, um, you know, there was, a f- like you said, a few things, and she stayed in the match for, for a while. But um, to me, it seemed like she... She missed something. She was a bit confused as to, or the communication was off. I don't know. But um, and the the way she was eliminated, I thought was quite odd. With uh, Bia Priestley, she did some gorilla press slam, slammed Priestley down, but then Priestley popped right back up and tossed her out of the ring without uh, selling the the slam. So I, I don't, I don't know. It was a bit of a dis- disappointing in that in that. Uh, I guess light, but um, on the the next on the pre-show was uh, Private Party versus uh, Jack Evans and Angelico, and this was uh, just a I guess a tag team bout to see who gets the win because in AEW the wins and losses counts and they count and they had actually if you noticed on the entrances they said the uh, combatant's name and then their win loss record, you know. Omega was um, one and one, so he had he had lost against Jericho. He had won against uh, Shima, and so now he is uh, one and two, I guess. So he's one one, and tonight he unfortunately took a loss against Pac. And uh, but here we had uh, the tag team match, and this was what everybody I guess expected it to be was just to show as many flippy spots as you could possibly do. I still think that uh, Jack Evans and, and, and Helico are just strangely lazy. Um, they're sleeping all the time, not giving any fire in that ring. Private party, you know, they, I think they can tell that they, they need to bring it as hard as possible. But, I mean, this was a, a okay spot fest match for me anyway. But um, did you get to, did you see the whole thing of this one? Yeah, I saw the whole thing, and like for me, it's um, it's way too many convoluted spots because of the fact that when you pre-plan so much of your match, and you can just tell that these guys are the, all the setups and all the the sequences. I mean, they're so choreographed that you can't pull them off unless you have some collusion. And and the thing is that don't give it away. Um, I I've, I I really believe in the philosophy of that uh, the suspension of disbelief with your audience that you have to have those people believe in what it is that you're doing it's like you can't it's like jake roberts once said that um when you prostitute your business when you bastardize what you do uh it's it's like coming clean to your wife that you know well honey i I know we've been together for like 20 years and i never cheated on you but you know uh last night i was out uh out with the boys and uh I got a bit drunk and um, I kind of lost my uh, my nuts and bolts and um, what what happened happened but it, but it was only one time coming clean to you now 
uh, I'm sorry. Really, uh, the thing is that I'm sorry, but the thing is, she's never going to trust you again. She's never going to trust you again. And you prostituted your your trust. So equally so in a pro wrestling match, when you give it away, when you make it so obvious that there's so much collusion that you could never pull this off in a in a let's say a, a real fight environment or in a street fight or in a bar fight or whatever, you're giving it away. And these guys gave it away. So for that, not my cup of tea. Yeah, well there you go. And I think it served served a certain purpose and audience and um you know, being on the pre-show, I guess it, it's tried to flash people as much as possible so that they would uh, buy the pay-per-view if they were on the fence. But uh, coming into the pay-per-view, we we started the whole show off with um, a boy, a boy, and his dinosaur, which is um, Marco Stunt, what probably the smallest non-mini in wrestling to today, anyway, and um, looks like he's ten years old. He's twenty-two, ladies and gentlemen. And um, and he is over. He's an interesting character, I'll have to admit, that's for sure. Um, then you have uh, Jungle Boy, uh, Jake, or Jack Perry. And then you have um, the very large, six foot eight Luchasaurus. I think he's 6'8", six 6'6", six six, somewhere around there. He's basically the biggest guy in AEW, that's for sure. And they were up against SCU, Kazarian, Daniels, and... Um, Scorpio Sky, and it, this was a pretty decent match as well. Uh, it didn't it didn't wow me or anything, but it I guess the the idea was these newcomers, uh, which are kind of a little bit of a freak show, taking on this group of uh, very high class athletes with with veteran status, and um, they definitely made the um, Jake, Jack Perry and um, Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt look great, um, but they took the win with a really interesting, uh, I think it was, what do they call it, the best, what was it, the best Meltzer driver ever or something like that, and it's a tombstone pile driver where they held both uh, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt in a tombstone with Kazarian, and then uh, Daniels does his best boon salt ever to drive it down uh, for the of course the finish you would hope that that's the finish of the match and this was good um it it served all the purposes i i i think that uh, luchasaurus is is very talented but he suffers from this thing that i i think a lot of guys uh, tend to do these days with the, he really loves to be a striker but when you got guys like kenta and ibushi for that matter um striking that, that like using strikes that are just blistering nasty ones you you can't get away with uh just like tits for tats or whatever the hell this kind of this kind of style is cuz of course he can do it but um i think he's just he's just got to lay it in he's got to be much more snug in, in my opinion but um yeah fine match as you know served its purpose snugasaurus <laughs> yeah well, anyway um i didn't Honestly, get get a chance to see a lot of these matches on the show because, like I said, I was running around yesterday with, like a chicken with my head cut off all day with um, business meetings and whatnot around Estonia, trying now my damnedest to to really launch pro wrestling in Estonia. So, therefore, Dylan was the man watching the AEW 
all out pay-per-view top to bottom but we had some other matches on the show that we can just run through here i'll just get dylan's thoughts on these and then i'll comment on the ones that i actually did see or then uh otherwise i'll just give him give you my opinions on on what happened but uh we had riho up against uh hikaru shida hikaru shida now being the girlfriend of uh, kenny omega and Riho took the Duke. Now, what, Dylan, what's the, uh, the story or what's the gimmick now with this? Nyla Rose wins the Women's Battle Royal. She gets a title shot against who? So, and, and how did this, how does her opponent, like, justifiably get the other end of the spectrum as far as being the, uh, the other girl in this women's title uh, crowning moment match uh, October 2nd, was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, basically, uh, it was the winner of Riho and uh, Shida will go up against the winner of the Battle Royal. And that was, I guess, because uh, Shida, from what I understand, Shida won this uh, initial, I think it was a, well, she she got she picked up some win, and, uh, and then Riho pinned um, Nyla Rose, actually, in, in uh I think it was on Fight for the Fallen, but I could be wrong. But anyway, so Riho picks up this win. She is the smallest um, by many means. Um, I guess not Marco Stunt small. But anyway, she's 98 pounds. Um, she seems to, like, which was actually quite a cool uh, um, finish of this match, was she is all about these interesting pins. And she did like a... Like a really uh, like a tornado style, like zipped around the body and then came around and and uh, tripped the legs and then hooked them up for the pin and uh, it it was a it was a nice pin. I guess she's not she doesn't have anybody who she can slam, you know, so she's not going to do anything like that. But I guess the story here is the smallest woman going against the biggest, um, and uh, the idea that she's got no chance in hell, um, where Nyla basically, of course mowed through the entire women's roster in that uh, casino battle royal. And then she's got the, this tiny little uh, Joshi uh, wrestler, although Riho started wrestling when she was nine years old. She's 22 right now. So, like, a 22-year-old with 13 years' experience in the ring. Um, that's pretty in- impressive. Uh, so let's just see. I mean, it, it's this interesting story here. You know, you have a beast versus... It's kind of like Beauty and the Beast in a lot of ways. And um, it's it's going to be interesting. The match with uh, Hikaru Shida, I hoped for it to be better. But um, I, I'm a real big fan of Shida. I think that uh, she's got a lot going for her. And um, not that I wanted her to win, but I, want, I know that they know each other. They were trained by the same person. And um, I figured that they would they would show something a little bit better but something to do this is a some weird thing for me anyway with AEW some of these matches that you see on paper you're like yes this is a dream match this is going to be just off the charts and then it's the timing is off there's some sloppiness there's some confusion uh, and I don't know what what it is but I've seen that a lot in in AEW right uh, right now so I hope they go to the TV, they get more familiar with themselves and the whole uh, situation there that that, that stops. Because um, I've seen so, so much better, like so much better out of both of these women 
outside of AEW and uh, what can you do? But um, I guess let's see what happens. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. And then we had the three-way. It was a no disqualification because I guess it's a three-way. With uh, It was also sponsored by Cracker Barrel. So they had all these barrels and buns and crap around the ring. But uh, Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc. See, these are three hardcore guys who are known to put their bodies on the line. And they definitely did in this match. And uh, I'll say, uh, withstanding the the two main events, this was uh, the most exciting match for me, anyway, on the uh, on the card. But I'll just run it down really quick that... Um, uh, this, to me, was Jimmy Havoc's time to shine. They He picked up the win with his acid rainmaker, basically a rainmaker clothesline through one of the barrels and onto a, onto a Joey Janela, or Janelli, as we like to call him over here. Darby Allen took a really nasty uh, coffin drop onto the ring steps, uh, holding onto one of the barrels as well. So they made sure to get their sponsor known throughout the whole match, constantly mentioning, mentioning Cracker Barrel. And Jim Ross even commenting, holy shit, in this match. So that was hilarious. And There was the paper cut spots uh, from Jimmy Havoc, staple gun stuff, and uh, also thumbtacks in the mouth and all, you know, some pretty cringe, cringe-worthy ideas in, in that respect. And... Um, but all in all, this was very, I guess, uh, this was hardcore, uh, not not ultra-violent. Uh, there wasn't uh, really any blood, uh, which I think was a smart thing to do in retrospect uh, because it saved it for the shock value of the main event. Uh, spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, these are, of course, not all, I mean... I know you, you're you're digging Darby Allen at least a little bit, but uh, Janelle and, and Havoc haven't really proved it to you yet. I don't think you saw this one, but uh, what do you think out of that result, uh, Jimmy Havoc taking the win? I think it was now or never. I mean, like, let's say up until now, Jimmy Havoc has, has not shown a damn thing in AEW. He's not stood out at all to his own betterment or to his, to his own benefit. Uh, so if he was going to go for it if he's if he's going to make an impression or or grasp for the brass ring it was now and i guess he did so i mean judging by your reaction to this i mean he must have must have done all right but uh i think we we missed the match was it scu what was that what was their match on the show yeah i talked about that uh that was them with uh, the the jungle boy jungle boy and luchasaurus and the and and marco stunt but yeah yeah, sorry, I was brain farting there. I, was, I, I, I honestly got under four hours of sleep last night, and then the uh, the night before I got maybe around five. So I'm a bit, uh, yeah, and wrestled too, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit out of it right now. But uh, <coughs> that said, moving on, Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Now, in my opinion, Sean Spears needed something to put him over the top. He needed something to make him... Uh, notable and stand out because when he was Ty Dillinger in WWE, he did nothing to deserve that perfect ten tagline I, I, or that nickname. I don't think that there was anything about him. There's no win loss record, no big push or anything like that that would have justified why is he the perfect ten. So when he got shifted over and and he started like a new, you could say in AEW, um, 
ask Sean Spears uh, with a new name, new haircut, and whatnot. Uh, they're rebranding him. And when you get rebranded, you need to get pushed if you're that kind of person, if, if they're looking for you to be like a, a lead player. Well, the thing is that Sean Spears, because his career as Ty Dillinger was rather honestly lackluster and uh, not very notable in WWE or even in NXT. Um, the fact that they put Tully Blanchard with him now, I thought on paper and even in the videos leading up to this, the road to, was it the road to All Out? Uh, those videos are really good. And so how did this Tully thing play out in this match? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that part of the match. Uh, this match, to me, was was, was quite okay. Um, I don't know what else they could have done, to be honest with you, because I the, the way that it all played out, other than they, they need to extend this, I think. I can see where they're going. It seems like uh, they're putting MJF is kind of sliding into the picture. I thought he was going to double-cross Cody here, but I believe they'll save that for much later. Um, but you had Tully there, and he was he was really good. He was such a little prick on the outside, um, you know, pulling legs on pin attempts and uh, getting up on the apron and, and everything like that. Um, but the big the big reveal here was, uh, I guess, uh, his former partner back in the day, Double uh, A Arn Anderson comes out. Well, I guess he's had enough and um, respects Dusty's kids. I guess more than his uh, partnership, or thinks that his former partner's gone off the rails in uh, in aiding Sean Spears here to the degree, and he came out and gave a actually pretty good looking spinebuster to Sean Spears, and um, Cody then picks up the win after Tully is kind of you know drawn drawn away from the ring to see what what's Arn Anderson's deal, and uh, it was good. Uh, the the best part about this actual match uh, other than Tully was the entrances uh, especially Sean Spears's entrance I'll have to say he was he the lights popped on he was sitting there on a chair on a chair with his hood over his head just total nonchalant then he just got up super slow picked up the chair folded it and stayed with the hood and then he just dragged the chair and unbelievably slowly walked down the ramp and it you know, just dragging the chair down, and then Tully came out from behind him, and he pulled uh, the hood off of Sean Spears, and he had these contact lenses, white contact lenses, looked looked pretty neat. But the entrance was was really good. It it uh, really played into the the nastiness of that of that character that uh, he's kind of turned into. But seemed like it was uh, big time on MJF as well. And, um, well, let's see where they go. But I'm sure that this, this is going to be a long-term storyline, and I hope that it will be some kind of long-term storyline. And I also hope that they're not just going to get rid of this Sean Spears-Tully Blanchard combination because it was, it was really good. But that being said, we are nearing the Helsinki port right now, and uh, we might have to continue this in the van you know, so um, I think we've got to go down to the car pretty soon. But next up, we're going to be talking about Pac and Kenny Omega, the Escalerta de la Muerte, the I guess the stairway to death ladder match between uh, Los Lucha Brothers and uh, the Young Bucks, and as well as, of course, 
the main event which crowned the first ever AEW World Champion between Hangman Adam Page and Chris Jericho. But before we uh, go to our commercial break, uh, what was the finish of this match with Cody and uh, Sean Spears? Yeah, <laughs> good good question. I'm trying to remember that right now. As, uh, from what I can remember, it must have been after that Arn Anderson spinebuster. I believe it was uh, Cody got in there and uh, hit him with the with the crossroads. I, I might be wrong now. My my mind might be deceiving me. And then he took the pin. Um, but yeah, because I think I was I was fully expecting MJF to to do something at that point, but uh, but never did. And there there was a tease where um, you know Sean Spears was going to bring the chair in and you know hit him with the chair, and then Cody took it and uh, and did not use it but threw it and gave kind of like a Rob Van Dam style Van Daminator you know where Sean Spears hits himself with the chair so it's no DQ and um that kind of thing so but it was a convincing finish from what I can remember now all of a sudden it's it's completely slipped my mind exactly how it went but uh, but good nonetheless it was a good match for sure it was nowhere close to Dusty um or uh, Dustin and Cody uh, with on that, I guess, double or nothing, but that's a hard one to beat anyway. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to the remaining matches of this all-out pay-per-view, the, the, the crowning moment of all the wrestling before they start their television season on uh, TNT Drama and go head-to-head Wednesday nights with WWE NXT on the USA, USA Network. So, in the spirit of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, USA! And we'll get back to you right after our sponsors. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we're on the home stretch here, and we'll finish up with shooting the shiz at in just a bit. But uh, before we do, the, the final matches... At the all-out pay-per-view for Ollie Wrestling, 
AEW, and we had Pac versus Kenny Omega. I didn't think that these guys actually really got into fourth gear. I, I think they were they they went into third, mostly in second. But it could have been better than it was. It wasn't bad at all. It was rather good. But it, with the elements uh, provided, I think it could have been so much better. Um, that said, um, I think we have part two coming. Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, to me, what I kind of, let's say I predicted it, I don't know, but uh, that uh, they need to knock Omega down to a, a pretty low level and giving him two losses uh, in this wins and loss kind of thing where they're making such a big deal out of it. And uh, I think a lot of people believe that he'd just walk in there and take the championship belt immediately. Um, to me, it's it's a much better story now, and I think it, it'll work much better for him to prove himself on the American audience uh, coming from the ground up. And I thought it was an interesting finish where Pac basically um, made him pass out uh, with this really weird crucifix. I can't now remember what, what did they call it. Um, and and the ref had to stop the match. There was no tap out, no pin. It was a ref stoppage because of a um, because of loss of consciousness. Cool idea, and I think a lot of people hated it, a live crowd, because, you know, you want a decisive win and loss. And in, in, in a real fight atmosphere, real fight feel, uh, I think that this was a... An interesting way to go, and this is something I guess we don't see very often. Something that has, it happens every once in a while, let's say, in New Japan. But um, very, very rarely in in American wrestling do you see um, a stoppage in a pro wrestling match. So I thought it was a a cool way to go, something we haven't seen, at least on the American side, for a while. And yeah, I agree that uh, they never got this, they never got this really going. They, you know... They are both just incredible athletes, and we all know what they can do. And I think that on paper, everybody just expected a whole lot more. But then again, placement on the card, they were actually second on the main uh, on the main show. So it, um, I guess as well, you know, you can't you can't have the roof blow off at that point yet either. So you, it needs to serve a certain purpose. And the only thing I'll say. Um, regards to um, interesting, I, I guess, possibly should have been thought about a little bit more, was uh, the top rope moonsault to the outside happened in multiple matches this night. And I think that if it was only allowed to happen in in this match, I think that would have been cool. You know, it would have gave, it would have gave this match something special that nothing else had. Um, but then again, they just, then they, everybody kept doing top rope moonsaults to the outside, you know? So it, uh, it again, kind of lost, lost the steam, I guess, that, that it really could have had and should have had. But then again, seems like Pac is now going to go after Adam Page and Omega is going to continue his descent down. But I really hope they revisit this feud because I do think that their chemistry was pretty good I just don't think that they ever got it you know they didn't get it off the ground high enough anyway but uh, then we had best the best friends versus um, uh, player Uno and uh, Stu Grayson um, this interesting tag team 
of the Dark Order. And this was for a first-round bye in the tag team tournament. And this went to the Dark Order. And um, they were busy. The, the Creepers or whatever were hauling Trent Beretta out of the place. And the lights go out. And in the ring standing is Orange Cassidy with his hands in his pockets. He does a tope suicida with his hands in his pockets onto the creepers. Still with his hands in his pockets, he slides back in the ring, does a nip up with his hands in his pockets and uh, gives his uh, ultimate lackadaisical, um, very, very as low energy as possibly could could have bit and the crowd was nuts for it so goes to show um you know if maybe we we're not so high on this uh this gimmick but for some reason this is this is selling tickets over there what do you think i think that the american pro wrestling fan like we're talking about the not the not the casual fan the actual pro wrestling fan of today has morphed and changed into this video game loving um how could you say they love their marvel movies they love their video games and all this and and it's it's gone so far in the entertainment aspect that people don't expect uh, legitimate like catch as catch can pro wrestling that's not what that's not what entertains them, so to speak, so that they're looking to be entertained. And I guess Orange Cassidy and people like of his ilk um, are the ones that are providing that entertainment. Uh, so it's a bastardization of wrestling. It's a different kind of sports entertainment. It's not professional wrestling anymore. It's a different kind of entertainment that has leaked into what we call professional wrestling. I have no time for it, got no use for it, but this is my analysis of why it is what it is today. But so what was that? This is the, the, the evil, what, Evil Uno and, uh, and um, yeah, Stu Grayson took the Duke. So I guess now they get the big push for that tag team tournament. I still don't see what's so special about that team. I mean, I understand they've been around or whatever, but uh, like in the, on that AEW level, amidst all those other teams i don't know what really makes them stand out it's it's i'm I'm a bit like let's say befuddled or confused or discombobulated as to what their what their presentation really is and what their their gimmick and their stick like i said all the creepers they got masks evil uno has a mask Uh, Stu grayson has no mask and he's got a regular name so but he's on equal footing he's not the leader so it makes no sense anyway moving on lucha brothers against the Young Bucks. Now, this one was a what ladders from hell, something like this type of match, in Espanol or in Mexicano, uh, and I guess I would expect no less than a multitude of spots, uh, crazy, insane stuff, um, li- risking life over limb, uh, blah blah blah. You've seen this. This feud has been going on for the past year. I think I'll leave this one to you, there, Dylan. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, this one, uh, it was, uh, there was no shortage of uh, insanity, that's for sure. Um, one spot that I guess I have never seen before uh, would be this top-of-the-ladder 
Canadian destroyer through a table, and it was executed so perfectly that I don't, you know, it, it just looked, it looked unbelievably nasty, but then if you really, really looked at it, it was quite safe, if you if that could be safe, you know. The, those two guys, it was Pentagon and um, Matt Jackson, so the older brothers, uh, hitting it, and it was Pentagon hitting it to Matt Jackson. Um, that that was a pretty mind blowing stunt, that's for sure. Um, there was uh, as well a package. You know, Pentagon does these package pile drivers, and uh, uh, Ray Phoenix does the double stomp to the guy's ass, so drives it drives it home. Uh, they did that on top of a ladder that was uh, draped on the ring apron and um, and. Uh, Guardrail, that was nasty, and that basically laid out Matt Jackson so that they could climb up to the uh, belts and take him down, the Lucha Brothers retaining the Triple A, Triple A uh, championship belts, the tag team belts from Triple A. Big, big ass mes- Mexican promotion. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. Um, and uh, the my complaint about this match, if I could say so, um, is that yeah it was insane and yeah there was all these crazy spots and things like that but they hyped this match up so hard you won't believe what we're going to do you like you've never seen something like this and i've seen this multiple amounts of times so that like i said that canadian destroyer was the pretty much one thing i had never seen and um at least from you know it at least that that was something that really that really got me um whatever i i was pretty blown away by that but everything else even though i know it's it's hard work and i know it's it's painful and i know all that it just wasn't very new uh so i hoped for some new stuff and um i just uh, you know and in a lot of ways i guess let's do the stuff that works is a is a fine fine enough thing and i it, no way was this a bad match or anything like that but i just thought that the hype p- hype that they gave into this was so so much bigger than the um the eventual um i guess what actually ended up going down um i think maybe they not that they botched anything but um, I wonder if there was more planned and, or, or they went with something else. Or I had heard that uh, Ray Phoenix was actually injured uh, slightly the week prior. So maybe they had to dull it down a tiny bit. But, um, you know, this is a real nitpick kind of situation. But it, it was a very good kind of TLC or maybe more just like ladders and tables. So LT. But... Uh, but you know, um, I guess maybe if you compare it to the uh, your competition, then uh, it uh, it definitely definitely was a sight to be seen. That's for sure. And um, but I'll have to say that uh, then it it led into the the main event, and I guess it's an interesting spot to be there where you have have to follow something like that that is so spectacular in in the way that it's just you know massive spots super dangerous lots of 
what would you say, hardware. You know, there was a comment from the commentators that these guys are putting Home Depot out of business or something like that, you know, with the tables and ladders that they were tossing around. And then you got to go into a straight-up singles match. I mean, the gimmick here is that I guess it's for the first-ever heavyweight title, but that's got to be a hard hard act to follow, you know, what would you say? I think absolutely, but uh, then again, you got to offer them something different. you got to change gears. And I think that's where Jericho comes in with the storytelling aspect and, and the name recognition value. Whereas the entire catch of this AEW World Championship um, contention, not really contention, but to decide the first AEW World Champion, the story here was, do you go with the veteran the established Chris Jericho, who everybody knows and who's been in the in the spotlight for over 20 years of, the, of his uh, career. Uh, of course, he's now 29 years in the business, but we're talking about like the 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 mainstream spotlight, WCW and WWE. So over like let's say 25 years, um, or do you go with uh, a relatively unknown commodity yet in America or in? the U.S. of A, North America, Axel of, of, uh, of the world, with Adam Page, who is uh, 28 years old. Jericho, 20 years old or 48 years old. So who do you go with? Do you go with a, a young, fresh face for a new company, somebody who's not been a WWE world champion? Or do you go with, uh, you know, the new guy? Uh, or, do you go, so, or do you go with a veteran? Do you go with a new guy? And, and I think that in my analysis of this, if I were the promoter, I would have gone with Jericho anyway. Because the thing is that when you're trying to syndicate your television, when you're trying to get new markets, you're trying to get new sponsors and companies to work with, I think they're going to gravitate towards what they know versus what they don't know. That's why I think that the end result here with Chris Jericho taking and winning the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, the first champion in company history was the right move for business yeah i mean i'd have to agree with you even though there's that other side where you want to build new stars but then then uh it's it's just one of those it's one of those things where if you watch actually the match it was a showcase of how dominant adam page is and um he he basically I, I would say that he dominated most of the match, uh, showed his ability, he busted Jericho open, you know, he really like you know, there was a there was good color, um, you know, he started to get all bloodthirsty and everything like that, and at the end of the day he even hit his finisher, his dead shot, uh kind of weird like backpack pile driver situation that uh, that's a great, great finisher. It's not something that you see uh, on anybody else anyway. And Jericho kicks out of it. So there you could see the desperation, like, oh, crap, I didn't plan. I didn't plan if this doesn't work, you know. And then he ends up trying it again and, and gets caught with the Judas effect, which actually I didn't like it in the Omega match. I thought that it, it wasn't executed perfectly, at least the look of it. But here... Somehow it just it just came out of nowhere, looked looked super nasty, and Jericho gets the pin. And to be honest with you, the crowd the crowd liked it. You know, 
the crowd was not, as far as I could hear anyway, they, they were not booing. They were, they were really happy with the match. I was very happy with the match. I thought this was definitely the best match on the show. Main event should be the best match on the show, at least you would think. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, each guy played their part really well. When Jericho was in, in control, he slowed the pace down to, like, an annoyingly, you know, slow and methodical pace. And then Hangman, maybe he, he could have had more fire. I think you mentioned when we were watching it that he should have had more fire on his comebacks. Um, but um, all in all, I really liked the match. I thought it was put together really well, or at least the psychology behind it felt good. And um, with Jericho getting the belt, I liked... I really liked how Jericho sold that, you know, he didn't just spring to his feet and jump around holding onto the belt. He he was in a lot of pain and he was gassed and just, you know, by the skin of his teeth got got through it. And then if you watch the post show where he just comes backstage and as he's coming out there takes the mic and just berates everybody and nobody gives a everybody's uh, really disappointed that he won. You know, everybody has a sad face on and they're all, you know, somebody's, you know, he says like, yeah, congratulations. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, just just starts insulting everybody. And um, there was Brian Pillman Jr. sitting there and he said, like, and look at this idiot with the stupid hair. And, you know, just like really get and then he goes back to his dressing room there and he pulls out of the Spinal Tap uh, movie where he's basically got the you know, the hors d'oeuvres of cheap salami and and olives with, you know, just like cheap cheap catering and that this is what he gets in the main event and uh, he's the champion and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was a great, it was a great little, I guess you would call it a promo backstage, but um, I enjoyed that match quite a bit and thought, thought both guys did, did a good job and uh, did their part. And I think that Jericho made Hangman look great, even in the loss, which is what you're supposed to do, in my opinion. And uh, Jericho looked like he could have lost at any time, uh, but he won. Yeah, like I said, the skin of his teeth. So it, to me, it was it was fulfilling in that way. That's actually really funny, his promos. We're talking about Jericho. If you haven't seen them yet, go check them out. They're up on YouTube now. I'm sure that there's a plethora of different people that have posted them. Uh, you got to check them out because Jericho is at his absolute comedic best uh, when he's tearing apart these people and, and basically uh, saying what he has to say after winning the championship. But, yeah, um, it was a, a plotting match, I think, in the beginning. Jericho uh, did take more control, Um and controlled the match in the beginning. Uh, it was it had a slow burn, a slow build. Uh, Jericho getting busted open, then it was uh, added for dramatic effect. I thought the finish was really well done, though. I think Jericho goes for the backslide, and he hits the backslide, goes down for the pin on Adam Page. Adam Page rolling through, and then. The way that uh, Page busted Jericho open was this discus forearm type of uh, thing straight to the face uh, right above Jericho's eye. And now he's going for it again. So immediately after the kickout on the backslide, 
Adam Page spins around, goes for that discus, and as he does the turn to gain momentum for the move, Jericho ricochets back with this Judas Effect elbow. So basically, Adam Page just feeds directly into the line of fire. Just sit and duck. Boom. And down he goes like a, a load of bricks. And um, then Jericho, it's academic. One, two, three, new champion. I thought, like once again, I said, I thought it was the right way to go. I thought it was good for business. I think it's a good way to move forward from here on out. I think it's a great addition to Chris Jericho's stellar career. And his, uh, and, and, and if you think the guy's 48 now, next year is going to be his uh, 30th year in the business. And he keeps on just pulling rabbits out of the hat. you got to nod and give your, uh, your, your nod and tip your hat to Chris Jericho because the thing is this guy is a renaissance man. He keeps on reinventing himself and he keeps on getting Shizat done as he nears 50. And there's not a lot of people out there. I mean, Nick Bockwinkle was still AWA world champion. I think he was, what was he, 51 years old, if I remember correctly, when he lost that title to Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, uh, back in 1987. And as I said, Dave Fitfinley, he was 51 also when he beat me for the uh, Smash Championship back in 2011. So guys at the, you know around the age of 50, they can still do great things. It's just a different kind of wrestling that, uh, that these young high spotters are used to uh, providing for their, for their audience. And uh, I think that Jericho still, he's, it's, it, it goes to show that the guy's relevant. He can still pull it off. He's still main event worthy. And he still has something more to offer than these other guys that are younger, healthier, uh, that are mo- maybe more fit. But they don't have the name recognition. They don't have the veteran experience. They don't have the charisma, nor do they have the ring psychology or the timing, execution, example, you know, whatnot, of Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's just what it is. And I think that that's why he's there in, in a lot of ways that... Um, he is, he is the mentor. He's, he's going to be that, um, guy in the locker room that's going to make, make sure when, after you have your match, you know, I'm sure he's approachable that you can go up to him and say like, what did you think? Did you see my match and what can I do better? And that kind of stuff. Uh, him, Dean Malenko, who's there, Jerry Lynn, who's there, uh, who else do we got? But just, a well, even Tully Blanchard, who's hanging around there, you know, these these kind of guys. And I'm not saying, you know, Jericho's yet in the in the shoes of Tully Blanchard or something like that. But these guys with like a just a gi- gigantic amount of experience, guys who have been wrestling for longer than some of these, most of the guys on the roster have have been alive. Hangman Page is 28 years old. Jericho has been has been wrestling for 29 years. That's a, a pretty incredible amount of experience that you can uh, bestow on somebody else. And I think it's just a, it's a great thing that you got guys like Jericho involved with that, with that company. Because that's probably, you know, as, as much as it's, uh, you know, in the storyline that you got to thank Chris Jericho and all this. But the, the veterans like Diamond Dallas Page and... Like I said, Malenko, and now you had Arn Anderson walking out in this pay-per-view, and you have Tully Blanchard there, and 
all these guys that are in, uh, well, even Dust, Dustin Rhodes there too, you know. These guys have so much experience. They know all these generations of how wrestling was, how it is, and, and then this image of what it will be. And um, that's, I think, what AEW has that WWE doesn't have some, for some reason. And um, I really hope that they can that they can give a go at it. And um, let's see what happens with their TNT uh, TNT drama and uh, their show that premieres on October second. But uh, we just got to Helsinki. We're in the van. We're gonna get Shizat done. And this has been shooting the Shizat. We had Slam in Tallinn and. AEW's All Out and both great pro wrestling shows. Uh, there was also notable pro wrestling shows from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling who did Royal Quest. and that, There's a lot of stuff going on there which we might have to talk about next week. Kenta having an injury but picking up a title. Then we also had uh, NXT UK in Wales uh, takeover and on the same day as the as New Japan in the Copper Box in London. So there's a bit of a comp- big-time competition going on there. So it was a gigantic wrestling weekend, that's for sure. So wrestling from all around the world, and all of it, you could say, quite top-notch. So, But that's it for shooting the shiz at this week, and uh, let's get back to you next week and for some more wrestling news and ranting about... Wonderful, good stuff. Shooting the shiz at. We'll see you next time.